The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. James, great to be chatting with you as always. Uh, we got our walk-up song draft at the end of the show, and your article this week going to be our primary topic of discussion. You put a spotlight on the minor league hard hit data, which we have on the site, which is a tremendous resource which I myself don't spend enough time digging into, but uh, just kind of a treasure trove they're waiting for me. Yeah. Treasure trove of data. Yeah, we've got it um, dating back, I think, four minor league seasons now. So, I mean, you could even just compare a guy versus what he was doing in 2019 and, and see if he's improved. Um, you know, as I as I laid out in the in the piece, this isn't as scientific as what you're going to see on baseball savant for big leaguers. Uh, there's a lot of um, like the, the sports info solution uh, video scouts just kind of track everything and figure out whether it's hard, medium or soft based on the trajectory location, uh, et cetera. So, you know, I think there's, there's a margin for error here that you have to consider when you're looking at it. But I would, in my opinion, it's, it's accurate enough um, that I think it's, it's very valuable. And the fact that you just can't really get this type of data for minor leaguers in the public sphere uh, just makes it all the more valuable. So um, it's, it's a big time tool that I use when I'm uh, doing my rankings. I mean, it's, it's, not the be all end all though. I kind of wanted to sort of stress that um, because, you know, yeah, some guys are gonna, is, that is important right. to stress. Yeah. Right. And, and well, that's and not an all, answer key. No, for there's, there's other like age is a huge factor. Like, and if like a 19 year old, like Jordan Walker, for instance, with the Cardinals, like he's 
had a, a monster breakout year. He's surpassed uh, most people's expectations of what he was capable of this year. And he's a he's a big time power hitter, but he doesn't rate that well for hard hit rate. And I just there's certain cases like that where don't just look at that and be like, oh crap, he's not hitting the ball that hard. All, really, what that means is like he's not hitting the ball that hard con- as consistently as maybe some guy who's 24 and is at double A is hitting it. But he's capable, like his max exit velocities are, are still excellent. And it's just a matter of getting more consistent. And given his age and level, I don't think we should worry about it. Um, and, and the same thing goes for like a guy, like if there's some 26-year-old at AAA who's just got this monster hard hit rate, like that's sort of what we would hope a guy like that should have, right? Like that that's basically a quad A guy is going to have a, a big time hard hit rate. So um, you just have to look at all the all the little stuff that it all matters, but uh, this is a, a an important variable. Yeah, it's another piece of the puzzle, and just uh, another data point we can use in our toolbox. And uh, great that we have that at Rotowire. Rotowire.com/slash try to check out a ten day trial, no credit card required at all. Definitely check out James's latest article: Farm Futures Examining Hard Hit Data for Top Prospects. You're diving into that. And the first grouping of players, data darlings, you had Brennan Davis there. And in this case, the hard hit data kind of eases your concerns about that elevated K rate. Am I right? Um, well, there's other reasons why I'm not worried about the K rate, but the hard hit rate, um, it's it's more with like guys like Brennan Davis, it kind of confirms what I'm seeing with my eyes and it confirms uh, just sort of the, the baseline power numbers and uh, the, the K rate questions that people have. I mean, I think it's very fair to see a guy with a 30% strikeout rate and question whether he should be the number three ranked prospect. But uh, Davis is, is very new to, to double a he's one of the youngest players at double a he's striking out but he's also taking his walks he's doing a ton of damage so it, it'd be different if if he had a 30 percent strikeout rate and like a five percent walk rate or if he was 23 years old and he was at double a and had a 30 percent strikeout rate uh and in the past like i was I was too low on Fernando Tatis Jr. as a prospect because I was worried about his strikeout rate at Double A, and I've I'd like to think I've like learned from that. I'm not saying Davis is Fernando Tatis Jr., but it's a uh, different game. You know? Yeah, Ronald the game Jr. has changed High so much. Rates. Um, yeah, you just you Aaron can't. Judge, even though it hasn't really been smooth sailing for him, but he did dominate for a while. So it's super high K rates in the minors, Aaron Judge. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, you can't focus just on strikeouts. I mean, Judge, the Judge one, like, I don't even mind that I got that wrong. Like, I think that there were a lot of reasons to to be worried about that. So I think Judge is kind of more of an outlier because he was actually pretty old. Um, but, like, Acuna and Tatis, to me, are more um, – instructive just because like they were dominating while running high strikeout rates, but also being 
the youngest hitters at those levels. So I just, I think you can't, when, when a guy's game, like Davis, his top tool for me is going to be his power. Uh, I think he's going to be, he's going to hit for a pretty high average and he's going to steal double digit bases. But like, I think he could be a 40 homer guy at, at peak. And for a guy whose game is is about power to that extent, and who's also really young for a level, like the strikeouts are are part of the the deal. Like, I mean, if Davis was only striking out like eighteen percent of the time at Double A right now, I mean, he might, you know, he he'd be thought of as just this, you know, amazing next monster thing type of guy. And I mean, he could he could be that, but um, you have to kind of look past that with him. Uh, but the, the hard hit rate with him is just, it kind of confirms everything that, that I've been seeing with my eyes. Very nice. And Riley Green of the Tigers seems like from spring training through now has been one of the bigger risers among prospects this year, at least in terms of, well, what I saw in spring and what he's done this year, it's been really impressive to watch. Seems like he's kind of cemented himself in that upper echelon of prospects and Thirty-three uh, percent hard hit rate. The medium hit, hard hit the medium hit rate is fifty-three point five percent. You love to see a lot of medium and hard there. You do have a kind of a cautionary tale in this little blurb about Green that when it comes to minor league stolen base totals, you want to explain that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think Green is going to be a guy who steals bases, uh, but he's he's just you know and and. If someone has clocked him as a plus runner this season, uh, please let me know. I haven't seen anyone say they've they've clocked Green as a plus runner. Um, so that, you know, I just I think be be careful. Like don't don't look at the twelve homers and the twelve steals and say, oh man, this guy could be like a twenty five twenty five guy. Uh, the twelve homers are incredibly impressive because he's been at double a the whole season he skipped high a completely and i think like we're, we're talking about a guy who's going to be a 30 plus homer guy um pretty easily in his, in his peak years the 12 steals you know that's that's partly just you know he's got a 374 obp so he's got a ton of opportunities um it's a lot easier to steal bases at double a than it is in the majors and there's, you know, a lot of team teams have differing philosophies about this, but a lot of teams just give their players the green light at all times to to just kind of work on that part of their game in the minors. Um, to me, the biggest, like, I didn't mention Zach Veen in this article, but uh, I think people are really overreacting to Zach Veen's stolen base totals at low A. Um, like, he's got 30 steals in 79 games. That is like, you can't look at those 30 steals and be like, oh my God, this guy is just, he's going to be like a 40 steal guy. Perennial Uh, 20, 40 guy. It's just, that's, that's not how this is going to work. He's, he's massive. He's only going to get bigger. Um, The Rockies are one of the orgs where they tell everyone to run. Like they've had guys log 30 steal seasons in the past who are like fringe average runners just because they're running every single time they're on first base. Um, I just, just be careful with that. Like, I mean, I'm not saying Bean's not going to steal bases, but the power is the big thing with him and watching the, the strikeouts is going to be a big thing with him. Um, he could get you maybe 15 steals in a, in a good big league season, but um, 
when when you're especially when you're looking at like low A stolen base totals, it's much more important, you know, just how fast is this guy? How fast is he going to be in three or four years when he's in the majors versus what his stolen base totals are at low A? Now, next up in the list of data darlings, Anthony Volpe. And, you know, Brennan Davis, 33.8 hard hit rate, 33% for Riley Green, then 43.2 for Anthony Volpe. Now, his uh, medium hit rate is well below those other two. And so his soft rate's actually, you know, five-plus percentage points higher than the, those other two. But uh, Volpe was a big riser in your little mini-update to the top 100 that you were referring to last week on the show. And that seemed to cause a little bit of a stir, Anthony Volpe, being bumped up that high. Yeah, I mean, I I just uh, – I don't think there's really a great argument for him to not be a top 25 prospect. Maybe you don't think he's a top 15 prospect like, like I have him. But really the only argument – that I could see people making really against Volpe being that high is that he wasn't in that range really anywhere near that range coming into the year. But um, based on everything he's done, based on the, the approach, the batted ball profile, um, the, the power, like the power is just crazy to me that, this is a, this is a guy that I didn't think was going to hit for much power at all uh, when he got drafted, uh, but he was a first round pick in 2019. We barely saw him play in 2019. He was just getting his feet wet in rookie ball, and then we didn't see him for a year <clears throat> because of the pandemic. And I think it's just it's much more likely to me that we just weren't aware of how good he was coming into the year, which is why he was ranked low then that what he's doing right now is somehow like not legitimate uh, because there's just, you, you can't poke any holes in what Volpe's doing um, statistically. And, you know, I, I've seen nothing but glowing reviews on him from people who have seen him in person. Uh, I mean, I just, I think this is a guy who's probably the biggest, it, you know, you don't want to say pop-up prospect for a first rounder, but um in terms of just expectations coming into the year, nobody's exceeded expectations more than Anthony Volpe. Wow. So are you, uh, have you made any deals to acquire him in your dynasty leagues? So imagine you got to be probably the high man on him now in the industry. Don't know that for sure. But, yeah. Um, I, I'm, you know, right now I'm basically trying to, I'm trying to win my mm-hmm. leagues. Uh, so I'm not going prospect shopping. I, I have him in, in one the like TDGX is the the league where I'm rebuilding and I have them there. Uh, but I I'm trying to trade prospects for big leaguers right now in most of my dynasty leagues, so I, I'm not really in that market. But um, congrats to all the people that that scooped him up early this year. I mean, he was I gotta imagine he was out there on waivers in you know over ninety percent of dynasty leagues coming into the year, so. I think a lot of people probably just got him. Um, if not for free, they just used Fab to get him this year, and um, you know that's a that's a heck of a find. And we knew that, like we knew coming into 2021 that there were going to be prospects like that where we just had no idea how good they'd gotten during the pandemic, and they were going to come in, and we were just going to be blown away by how good they were. 
and they were going to be out there on waivers. And he's he's case in point right there. Yeah, you mentioned picking him up, especially if you're a contender early in the year, then make maybe you'd move to, to bring in some pieces and trade him. And that could be like a, a move that puts you over the top in a pursuit for a title. You get a piece like that and you can trade him. Or if you're re, you know, a rebuilder, getting him is also huge. But just to have that trade chip too, if you just plucked him off waivers for nothing, uh, that could be huge for a lot of people. Now, Josh Lowe, it, I feel like a lot of people may have in their head that it, you know, it's been disappointing that we haven't seen him, but really nothing to be disappointed about with this season down on the farm. And really, it feels like we should be as excited about Josh Lowe as ever, even though we we haven't seen him, at least at the big league level. Yeah, he's been awesome. Um, he's you know he's doing basically the best version of what we thought was possible from from Lowe this year, and uh, the speed is kind of the big thing that people talk about with him, but. Um, you know, the power I think gets kind of slept on. I mean, he's, he's really athletic. He's six foot four. He's got a, a beautiful swing uh, that's geared for power. And, um, you know, we haven't seen him yet. The, the Rays were obviously unable to get off of Kevin Kiermaier at the, at the deadline. Um, but Lowe is now ahead of Vidal Brujan for me. Uh, on the top 400 among uh, prospects in that system. And Nick Prado, you mentioned in the article, is one of the best stories in the minors this year. Big bounce back and 41.5% uh, hard hit rate, 10.1% soft contact. So the lowest soft percentage of any of the guys we've talked about so far. Seems like he's a pretty big deal in the prospect world and we should be pretty excited to see him next year. Yeah, and he's he's doing what first base prospects have to do. Um, there's not there's not really any room for a guy who you know maybe he'll hit, maybe he won't hit. Like if if you're going to be a first base prospect, you've you've got to just absolutely tear it up. And he didn't tear it up in 2019, but he's obviously made up for lost time. And you you mentioned some of the like the medium hard hit rates of of these guys. Uh, Prado's soft rate is just 10.1%, which is better than anyone we've talked about so far. And the hard hit rate is up over 41%. So, uh, when he's connecting, he's doing a ton of damage and so far so good at, at triple a for him. Um, the strikeouts are, you know, <clears throat> I'm not, like, I'm not worried about him not hitting enough to get to his power. Uh, but he's definitely a guy who's better in OBP than batting average. And, you know, I, I wouldn't expect him to be a 300 hitter in the majors or anything like that, but um, he's a really good defender at first base too. He's, he's kind of a sneaky athlete. So uh, I think during his prime, he'll, he'll be a top 10 fantasy first baseman and the, the hard hit rate really backs up uh, the traditional stats he's put up this year. And Nick Gonzalez and that revamped pirate system uh, really has done away with any of those questions that came with him as a collegiate hitter. Am I right? Like just really has established himself as an elite prospect. Would you say? Well, there were just the, the skeptics of Nick Gonzalez were like, 
I, I think it, might, it was probably just because of his size. Like he's like five nine. Um, I think there were just there were people who didn't think he was going to hit for power, and I just never really understood that, um, or didn't didn't think he was going to hit for impact power. Um, but I mean, he he's I think he's probably a power over hit guy at this point, and uh, you know the strikeout rate is is high. He's still at at high A. Um, I think it's, you know, I think we I touched on this maybe when we we're talking about Austin Martin in in a recent episode, but like, yeah, if if Austin Martin was at high A, I don't think people would be very skeptical of Austin Martin, but because he got sent to straight to double A, his numbers haven't really popped. But Nick Gonzalez, who is the most comparable player to Austin Martin from that draft class he's still at high a and uh, he's striking out a decent amount. He's doing a ton of damage. Um, but I think that's just worth pointing out. Like when we're comparing like Austin Martin to other players from that draft class, like he's the only one who went straight to double a and he's been better than league average and he's kept his strikeouts in check. He's walking a ton. Uh, Nick Gonzalez, there's kind of more concerns about what the batting average might look like just because he has struck out probably more than I thought he would um at high a this year but uh the power absolutely is legitimate the bat speed his bat speed is is up there with with anyone in the minors so um i would say i wouldn't say like stock like he, he's not a top 10 prospect he's not a top 20 prospect but um his stock really hasn't shifted a ton um versus where he was preseason i see okay so i hear what you're saying still some concerns there in that bat Before we move on, we have to throw to a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And now we are back on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. And James, you mentioned at the top of the show that we have minor league hard hit data, not only for this year, but for many years past. And with Cabert Ruiz, who was a big topic at the trade deadline, of course, going from the Dodgers to the Nationals. Uh, when comparing to his prior years, you know, he wasn't really a hard hit darling in the past. Always was a good contact hitter, but now he's really added this, this hard hit element uh, to that batting profile. Yeah, I, I always used to compare his bat to like Jonathan Lucroy as kind of a ceiling, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Lucroy was a top five fantasy catcher in Roto during his prime. Uh, but it was, I you know, it used to be kind of more about the batting average you were going to get from him. He was going to hit double digit homers, but he probably was going to hit 25 or anything like that. Um, and this is a developmental story. I don't know how much credit to give the Dodgers, how much credit to give Ruiz, but um, they succeeded in in adjusting his launch angle and, and kind of um, perfecting his launch angle. And he, like you said, the hard hit rate has, has gone up um, and he's, he's lifting the ball more. And it's it's really impressive. His soft rate's only 12.6. Um, which is which is really good for a catcher, and I mean, especially when you factor in he's he's not only a catcher, but he's uh, what is he just turned twenty three or is he he's still twenty two? I mean, he's not a he's not an old catcher for for guys at Triple A. Um, so it's it sucks that the Nationals seem to be, um, <laughs> they I mean it, it kind of seems like they they might be playing some some service time games here with with Ruiz or maybe they just kind of want to get him into their like defensive catching uh, program at AAA and just kind of get him up to speed on what they like to have their catchers do. Uh, there could be several reasons for why he's at AAA, but uh, I'm really just hopeful that he's given a, a fair chance to just win that job next year in spring training because um uh, you know, Caber Ruiz could be one of those guys where you, you're able to draft him, you know, maybe outside the top like 300. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's unreal. I don't know if you think that's realistic or not, but like, if we don't see him up this year and all people have to look at is his triple A statistics, uh, redraft people aren't typically that into just taking a catching prospect who hasn't really proven it against big league pitching. So you might be able to get Ruiz on the chief and, and redraft leagues next year. Most logical people, most well-adjusted people have moved on from stash and season. Uh, it's no longer stash and season for the vast majority of the world, but I do still have Cabert Ruiz in the stake. league. Um, probably we'll have to just drop him because it does seem like the Nats are going to, aren't going to give him a look, but he, uh, it's just weird because he already did his debut, you know, but he's on 40, man. But uh, I guess there are some long-term advantages uh, to keeping him down. Now, 
it's been mostly bad news for the Mets lately, James, and Mets fans. Uh, they have lost the lead. Actually, they're third in the <laughs> NL East. That's, that's spicy. I love that. Uh, behind the Phillies and the Braves now. One game over 500 the Mets. Can you give them some good news when it comes to Mark Vientos? Can you give yeah. the Mets fans a bone? Yeah, I was – I mean, I, I'll take an L on Vientos, at least um, as as things stand right now. I was too low on him uh, coming into the year, and I just – I got really scared off by his approach at low A – uh, you know, like a five to one K to walk basically at low A. He was, he was age appropriate and he was one of the youngest guys in his draft class and everything. So there were reasons to, to maybe give him the benefit of the doubt there, but I just, I was worried about the, the hit tool and they jumped him over high A completely. And the power that we, we knew, we knew there was big power in there. Um, but he's really exploded this year in the power department. And I mean, he's, he's really young for, for double a, uh, but he's got 20 homers in 62 games, 322 ISO. And you know, the, the hard hit rate backs that up. Um, he's another guy with a, a really small soft hit rate of 10.5 and the hard hit rate of 36.4. Um, you know, I think he's a guy where, He's already inside my top 75, I think, but um, if he keeps this up over the rest of the season, I mean, he could be a top 50 prospect heading into next year. As a man, we all strive for a small, soft rate. I'm sorry. (laughs) That was uncalled for, and uh, I apologize. Now, the Pirates, we talked a lot about (laughs) recently about how you've liked what they've done in that system and they just added Henry Davis, the catcher who they took number one overall. But it sounds like Leover Piguero really should not be overlooked there. It sounds like he's their shortstop of the future. Yeah, and like Piguero is doing this. This is what like a normal kind of breakout looks like for a a a twenty year old shortstop uh, at high A. Um, like 31.1% hard hit rate. Like that's, that's really good when you factor in age and level for Piguero and you factor in his stature. And it, it really just makes what, what Anthony Volpe is doing all the more impressive because those guys are, are quite similar just from a, from an age and a, and a stature standpoint. And yet Volpe's hard hit rate is just ridiculous. Um, But yeah, Piguero, like this is a guy who's going to stick it short. He's going to, He's going to chip in with his legs. So, you know, we'll see sort of what – we still don't really know what the offensive profile is going to look like for Piguero at peak, but um, a lot of shortstops his age and his size are in the red when it comes to the hard hit rate. And that's – it's no slight on those guys. Like like Brian Rocchio, uh, Tyler Freeman, like guys like that like we don't expect them to have impressive hard hit rates. And I don't think we would have expected Leover Piguero to have a hard hit rate this year at high A, but he he's really exceeded expectations in that department. Yeah. Volpe's hard hit rate is pretty insane. And then you see Justin Fosk using it's an even 50.0% hard hit rate. 
Now, he does have a pretty high soft hit rate, which we don't like, do we, folks? We've already touched on that. But uh, pretty amazing to see. We've seen all this dark green when it comes to hard hit rates, then just the darkest green yet with Foscue at 50%. How much stock do you put into that number? So it's uh, – I mean, it, it tells a story, right? Like he – when he connects – He's doing big time damage, uh, mostly to the pull side, like coming out of college, um, Mississippi state, I want to say, um, the big thing he had going for him was this plus pull side power that, uh, we thought would translate in games enough for him to be an everyday guy. Uh, but he, you know, he's striking out a decent amount. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of want to see what he does at double A before I say like Foskey's a top 50 guy or top 40 guy. Uh, Cause he's not going to run. And, you know, so it's just the power, the power will play. Like I, I think he's going to be an everyday second baseman for the Rangers. <clears throat> and they've, the Rangers have done a much better job in recent years in the draft than, than they did for, like almost a decade before that, but I still I'm still sort of unsure what the the hit tool is going to look like. Um, and I double A is really the place where he's going to get that test. Uh, like the difference between like Nick Gonzalez and Foscu is Gonzalez is is a little bit younger. He didn't face the same level of competition in college that Foscu did. Um, I, you know, I think an SEC guy, he's already 22 and a half. Like he, he kind of needs to be a double A before we really get a true sense of, of how special the bat is. But you look at the, the home runs, um, 14 and 33 games. Like if you're going to, you're going to have a 440 ISO, it would stand to reason that your hard hit rate's pretty, pretty off the charts. MJ Melendez had kind of fallen off, but he's been one of the big bounce back prospects of the season. And as you note here in the article, again, rotowire.com slash try for a 10-day trial. Check it out yourself. But Melendez ranks second in all the minors and homers as a catcher at, at a double-A. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, 28. it was always his power that was that was his calling card. And, like, it was sort of, you know, is this guy going to be a 30-homer catcher who maybe hits, like, 230? Like, that was sort of uh, – what we were hoping for and he struck out almost 40% of the time at high a in 2019. And I think that that rightfully scared a lot of people away in dynasty leagues because, you know, catchers are risky enough. Uh, catching prospects are risky enough, especially when they're in the lower levels, like a lot can go wrong. Um, you know, they can end up spending more time in the minors than players at other positions. They can have to focus on their defense and it maybe take away from their offense. So when you're striking out that much, it's pretty scary. But he came back this this year after the the long layoff. And to me, his his 22% strikeout rate is even more impressive than that 41% hard hit rate because we knew the power was in there. Like that was always his his big tool. And, you know, if he's going to strike out, even like if he strikes out 25% of the time in the majors, I mean, he's going to get to a ton of game power. And so it's, it's exciting. Uh, we'll see what happens with, with Sal Perez. Um, 
you know, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, so maybe Melendez has to kind of break in as a as a number two catcher and a and a DH sometimes. And so we'll we'll see how that all works out. But it's yeah, he's he's one of the better stories in the minors this year. James, anybody else you want to mention before we move on to the next group, the uh, kind of to be expected slash room to improve group? No, we can we can move on. So C.J. Abrams, the number does not look good at fifteen point seven percent hard hit rate especially when you compare it to these other lofty ones we've been talking about. But is this really much of concern, or is this just kind of the uh, the expectation, the bumps in the road for a youngster as they navigate the minors? You know, if, if you'd asked me, like, coming into the year, what type of hard hit rate Abrams would have at AA as one of the youngest players at AA, <clears throat> I would I would have guessed, like, low 20s. So. He hasn't, he hasn't hit, he didn't hit the ball quite as hard as I would have thought um, before suffering that season ending injury, but it's, it, it was going to be, the power was always going to be sort of the last thing for Abrams. Um, It was the hit tool and the, the crazy speed that was so appealing, you know, first off, first and foremost. And then it was just kind of like, is he going to be a 20 homer guy or is he going to be a, 10 to 15 homer guy and you know I, I i still think the jury's out on that like we just didn't it's a shame he got hurt because that that's something that he could have improved on as the season went on and it's not a red flag at all to me when you factor in his age and his other tools like yeah i, I still think that trey turner ceiling is there and it took Trey Turner a while to be a guy that was hitting the ball like this hard with, with regularity. Uh, so maybe in Abrams first couple seasons in the majors, he's this guy who is like a 35 steel shortstop uh, who eventually develops a, a plus hit tool. And then maybe like four years into his career, he's, he's hitting 20 homers per season. Like that's kind of how I think you, you, got to hope it goes. Uh, and I, I was still tempted to put him number three on my updated, uh, top 100, like, you know, his ceiling, those steals in, in a Roto league, that's just, it's really hard to touch that. And, uh, he might've been as high as three or maybe even higher. He could, he could have been number one. He could have been number two if he'd never gotten hurt. Uh, we just don't know how the rest of the season would have played out, but I think, we, we still just don't know how much he's going to impact the ball at the highest level. And so I, I, I think he's a no doubt top 10 guy, but um, you know, there's, there's that thing that we're still sort of waiting on with him. I want to stress again, what you said at the top of the show about how these are not some answer key. These aren't the be all end all. Nothing is. There's no one stat that unlocks everything, but what is the story of uh, Tristan Casas's 19.5% hard hit rate say to you? Um, you know, like, again, like I said, at the top, these aren't a hundred percent accurate. And if I had to guess, like, I would say that maybe this is a little low, uh, versus the reality. Uh, and, and Casas is one of the youngest hitters at double a, and, you know, we know we've seen him hit, uh, absolute moonshots. We've seen him post huge exit velocities. So we know it's in there. and. 
I, I love the approach uh, when you look at his age and, and how big he is and his, his position, like to keep the strikeouts in check the way he has is, is really impressive. Um, so I, I really, I'm just, I'm kind of throwing this out with cases. I, I'm maybe that's, uh, maybe that's inconsistent of me to, to weigh it more with some of these other guys we might talk about um, and, and less with, with cases. But I think when you factor everything in, um, we'd like it to be higher, of course. You know, I, I think it it, lo- it makes a guy like Nick Prado look all the more impressive um, to, to be doing what he's doing. Uh, but I still think I, I think cases has a really, really bright future. Um, but it's just it's something to, to keep an eye on. Right. Like. You know, I, I'm not gonna drop cases out of my top 30 or top 40 or anything just because his hard hit rate isn't great at Double A as a 21 year old. But um, it's just it's something to keep an eye on. With Garrett Mitchell, who's an impressive, very impressive prospect, and saw some of him in the spring and looked really good. And um, you know, with him, the 30 percent soft contact rate does stand out to me, but. Uh, does that really concern you at all with Garrett Mitchell? Or is that just eh, just something to keep in mind, something to watch for? Yeah, I mean, I, this is this was kind of the fear with Garrett Mitchell in the draft is just what he did at UCLA was fail to capitalize on his physical tools in games. And I think we're seeing more of that. Like Garrett Mitchell is almost 23. And he's 6'3", 215. Like, he's he's really well built. He's plenty old for double A. Uh, so it's just, you know, you'd, you'd like to see him hitting for a bit more power. Um, the, the fact that he's hitting the ball to the opposite field 45% of the time, the fact that he's got a 63% ground ball rate, like, that's where that soft hit rate comes from. And... Like that's that's fine when you're Xavier Edwards and you've just got this crazy speed and you can't really hit for power, so you just got to get on base any way you can. But for a guy like Garrett Mitchell, I thought there'd be a, a swing adjustment um, from him by the Brewers, possibly. And you know we're not really seeing any evidence of that right now. So uh, I I thought I thought he was pretty over <laughs> I thought he was pretty overrated when he was at high A and people were talking about him as like a top 10 prospect uh, right now, he's not even a top 50 prospect for me because like, he's going to be a big leaguer, but is he going to be a guy that, that hits 25 homers a season? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe not. I mean, maybe there's just a lot of work that has to go in during the off season to kind of unlock that because we know it's in there, mm. but he's a guy where I think it's fair to just be like, you know, 23 years old, double A. Um, he's bigger than a lot of the guys who were like, compare him physically to Anthony Volpe. And, you know, one of you would think Mitchell would be the guy with the, the, the 43% hard hit rate. Now, down in the time to panic range here, JJ Blade, pretty big name to lead off this group. Is it indeed time to panic? I mean, this guy is 23 years old at double A. Numbers really don't stand out whatsoever yeah I'm, i mean <laughs> he's closer to 24 than he is 22 and 
He's like, on the he's on the wrong side of twenty three. He's on the wrong side That's of twenty three. Like <laughs> what I what I said in the article is like if if I told you about a twenty three year old at Double A who had a career two fifteen three ten three fifty seven slash line with one steal in one hundred twenty one games, you wouldn't roster that player in your dynasty league. Um, so Boudet, <laughs> you know, he, he still got. Uh, big time pedigree. Uh, really impressed his his final year at Vanderbilt. But there's just you know 21 percent hard hit rate as a guy who's almost 24 at Double A who isn't going to run. Like that's that's just not good. I mean I don't know what like if someone wants to hit me up with like a strong here's why you're too low on Bidet argument. I'd love to hear it because I just I don't really know what the case is for having him in the top 100 anymore. I went to see my dad a few years ago in uh, Jupiter, Florida, and Bladé was there. Do you remember what I told you at the time? You were not impressed. <laughs> I don't like it. It's like Corrado Soprano. I don't like it. Um, and Bladé just hasn't looked. That's it's funny when you know you, you try not to put much stock into one. You know what you see with your eyes. Uh, in a short sample, but it just hasn't really worked out. And, you know, time is kind of ticking for him now. And so, yeah, that's, uh, he was, was he a top 10 pick in that draft? I think he was number four. Four. Wow. I mean, I mean there were, you, I, the Marlins have done a great job overall, but that could be a, a costly misstep there. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was Andrew Vaughn, Adley Rutschman and JJ Blade were like the, the big three college hitters at the top of that class. Mm. And, uh, you know, we've seen what Andrew Vaughn's done and we, we know what Adley Rutschman's doing at double a and, you know, uh, but it's not like Bidet's learning to catch. Like he, he's, yeah, he's out there to hit. Like the, the whole reason you draft JJ Bidet is for the bat. What about Alec Burleson? He was a name who was kind of uh, hot earlier this year. Not, as much now, and I imagine, you know, these some of these numbers have something to do with it. Uh, nothing really stands out as all that impressive in the batted ball numbers with Alec Burleson. So with with Bur- Burleson is probably like my sort of hot take from this article. Like, other than maybe <laughs> maybe the Anthony Volpe ranking is a hot take for some people, but. Um, like I think you should try to sell high on on Burleson right now, because it's really impressive that he he opened the year at high A for his pro debut, and he's already up to triple A. Like usually that's a really strong indicator. But I was watching him the other day, and I mean he's a really 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 bad athlete, uh, like. Yeah, he's almost like a Billy Butler level athlete out there. Ooh. And like really? if, if you're just country breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I haven't heard um, that name in a while. And so if you like he he's going to have to be a DH, I think. And that's part of the reason why he went 70th overall. I mean, he he hit in college. But there are always questions about like where he was going to play. And I think in Dynasty right now, you could probably get something for Burleson because people are going to look down. They're going to be like, oh, wow, he's, he's already at AAA in his, his debut season. 
but the you know the ISO, um, the slug, like everything's kind of trending down um, as he's climbed through the org, and the the numbers on the season are still really impressive. But are they impressive enough for a guy to be an everyday designated hitter? Um, you know, I I don't really think so, and. For a guy with that type of profile, I think we'd we'd be expecting the hard hit rate to be like where Justin Foskey's is. Like, well, like this guy's not going to provide any defense with his or any any value with his defense. He's not going to do anything on the base pass, but he's going to just destroy the baseball, and that's that's going to be his calling card. And he he isn't really doing that, you know. He's he's kind of he's a very advanced hitter. Like he's he's showing up to these levels. He's having success. Um, but I just, you know, I, I just don't think he's going to quite, um, like, I think, I think he's going to get to either triple A or the majors and, and he's just going to hit a ceiling of like, Oh, I can't really, uh, get by with, with what I was doing at, at high and double A. I'm not hitting the ball hard enough. I'm not doing enough damage. And at that point, like, I think his stock is really going to take a hit. So I think now's a, a solid time to try to cash him out. Well, before we move on, i got to take care of a little bit of business here with a word from our sponsors. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, you know, I'm going to change this up because there's a lot of things we appreciate here. We appreciate many good things here at Rotowire. We're cultured people, and one of them is making good decisions, and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino, take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. While rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Also, Thrive NFL is back on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy has over $100,000 guaranteed for NFL Week 1. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you can claim your free Rotowire subscription. Visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. So moving on here, James, the last guy I wanted to ask you about from the article before we talk a little bit about some of the moves you've made in uh, your leagues. Uh, Jordan Westberg, sounds like he's... In reading what you said here, he's overperformed, at least on the field, in terms of what he's done. You're, he's overperformed your initial expectations, but do these these batted ball numbers kind of uh, ding what he's done a little bit? Did they kind of uh, 
not support what he's done on the field? Yeah, I think, well, I'm not saying, like, I think Westerberg's going to have a career, like he's going to be a major leaguer for for a while. Um, But just sort of along the same lines of Burleson, I'd be I'd be trying to include Westberg in my dynasty league trades right now. Like if you can have him be maybe the second piece in like a a big deal you try to pull off or something like that if you're trying to go like for sending it. Sending him away. Yeah, because um just, you know, his his pedigree um you know, that he was underassigned. He opened at low A. He should have opened at high A. Uh, there's no reason the SEC hitter uh, with his pedigree should have opened at low A. And he struck out a decent amount at both low A and high A. And I look at the the hard hit rate, and it's just, you know, it's, it's just not that impressive. Um, 22.8%. Uh, now, the, the soft hit rate is, is pretty low, so... You know, maybe he's just one of those guys. Like, you can have success in the majors without ever being a guy who's just got a, a bunch of red bars on Statcast. But I just, I think when you take in all the context of like where he was assigned, where he's played so far, how much he's striking out, he's not, you know, he's not destroying the ball with with regularity. You know, I think this might this might end up being the high point of his dynasty value. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who are rostering Westberg probably don't listen to this podcast because I was super low on Westberg in the draft. But, um, you know, I just I think he's a guy who kind of popped up to me as like, oh, well, I, I knew that he was producing and I know how old he is and I know how physically mature he is. So I am surprised at how low this hard hit rate is. Interesting stuff, man. Well, appreciate it. As always, great analysis and insight in your article. Check it out for yourself, rotowire.com slash try. Now, there's uh, a trade you've made, James. You talked about how you're trying to win now in some leagues. Uh, It sounds like this was a a blockbuster you pulled off in the uh, P365 XDL league. Imagine that's Prospects 365. Yeah. so I'm in fourth place right now, I think. And I probably should have tried to make a trade like this a few weeks ago. But I, I traded uh, Corbin Carroll, Hedbert Perez, Blaze Jordan, Kate Cavalli, and Josh Winder for Brian Reynolds, Salvador Perez, Ryan McMahon, Sean Manaya, and Blake Trinan. This is a saves plus holds league, so Trinan has has some value. Uh, and you know, this is a trade where I just kind of wanted to discuss. Like th- there, there sometimes have to be motivations when you're making a trade that go beyond just like, is this a fair trade on paper? Like, am I am I winning this trade on paper in a dynasty league? Um, I, I mean, I could win this trade. Like, even if you'd fast forward like 15 years, I I could end up with the better side here. Um, but the reason I was willing to do this trade kind of went beyond the sort of value proposition. Um, 
you know, first of all, there there could be a lockout next year. So I am more motivated to win the league this year than I might have been last year because if I don't win the league this year, if I don't finish top three or top two in the league this year, there's a chance I have to wait over a year to to try to go win it. Um, and I, I don't want to wait that long. But I also, you know, that it's it's a league where I I I know a lot of the people in it. I I, I love all the owners in it. Um, but I, I there's only like four or five people who ever really reach out to me about trading in that league, and so it's just there's not a ton of. Um, it's not like I was choosing between this package of big leaguers and like a, a bunch of other packages of big leaguers on rebuilding clubs. There's kind of limited uh, managers to go to if, if you really want to, or if I really want to upgrade my roster in that league. So, uh, you know, beggars can't really be choosers when you're talking about like, like, am I the biggest Sean Mania fan? No, but getting decent starting pitching in that league is really tricky, uh, especially if, if there's only a few managers who are, are open for business. And I'm, I, I really, really, really hope I'm wrong. Like this, this is probably my favorite roster of any of my dynasty league rosters. Like I, I think if this league stays, stays together for another six, seven years, I think I could win two or three championships over that span. Um, but I'm not like I'm not a hundred percent positive it's gonna stick together for another five, six, seven years. Uh, it's just you know the the fact that there's only a handful of managers who are sort of active traders in the league is kind of a you know it's a bad omen I guess um, in terms of just how long the league might stick together. So if there's a chance that the league folds in like three or four years. I think that's, that's some extra motivation to really make a strong push to try to win uh, as soon as you can. And so I just, I think that that's something that people should sort of consider. Like, you know, everyone wants to win the trade and, you know, nobody wants to trade away a Corbin Carroll or a Hedbert Perez or a Blaze Jordan. I mean, those guys are just incredibly exciting prospects, guys who could just be absolute studs for a long time. I mean, a year from now, Hedbert Perez and Blaze Jordan could both be top 10 prospects. Corbin Carroll could be like the number one prospect in baseball a year from now. Um, that you don't want to give up that type of upside. But I think if if you're in a league where you're not so sure just how long that league's going to be around, um, that's something you maybe want to want to keep in mind because like you don't there's no prizes for having the best roster in a dynasty league when the dynasty league folds you you gotta try to win when you can and so I just um, that's something we don't talk about a ton but I think it's something that you should keep in mind um, when you're doing your, your trades and you're trying to win right now Absolutely. It's something that's just the the reality of the situation. And anybody who says they're, you know, positive illegal still be around in five years, they're just lying to themselves. Any number of things can come up. And so yeah, that's not something you talk about much, but that is that is something to think about when trying to decide when to to make your go for it now moves. 
Uh, Brian Reynolds has been sneakily, maybe not so sneakily, but he's been like one of the top players by, by Fangraph's war in the NL, hasn't he? It's kind of amazing. I'm, uh, I'm really interested to see what his price is going to be in redraft next year because yeah like you said i mean if if i think we can kind of throw out 2020 with brian reynolds because every single level he's played at every single season prior to 2020 he's hit over 300 short season ball low a high a double a triple a his rookie year in the majors, his third year in the majors, he's over 300 every single one of those years. And he hits 189 in 2020. And he's grown into more power this year, even with out, you know, the ball was juiced in 2019. He hit 16 homers in 134 games. The ball's not juiced this year and he's got 19 in 110 games. So he's, he's developing, he's improving as a hitter. Um, His walk rates up. Uh, he's not a big speed guy, but man, I mean, this guy's a, this guy looks like a four category stud. So I'm interested to see what the buy-in is going to be and and whether the drafting public in redraft leagues is going to treat this guy like that, or whether they're going to be like, sort of, sort of still unsure just because he, he wasn't a super high pedigree prospect and he does have that down year on the ledger from 2020. So it'll be interesting to see. I like the buy high on Brian Reynolds. I think that's a good call. He is fifth in the NL in terms of F war among hitters. So Fernando Tatis Jr., Trey Turner, Max Muncy, Ron Bacuna Jr., then Brian Reynolds. Pretty elite company. So, but you know, last year was just so many weird things for so many different people. I, when I'm doing my evaluation this offseason, I'm going to discount 2020 a lot because, um, just such a small sample and guys just, you know, with that stop and start training, they just kind of lost it. Like JD Martinez just kind of lost interest in training, I guess as, as have I, I've lost interest in training. <laughs> um, now James, I got to say, I didn't watch the uh, locks dipset versus, so I don't have a review this week. I will try to watch it this coming week to uh, have a full review. Did you get eyes on that? Yeah. Yeah. Did, do you, should I give, yeah, let's, let's hear your thoughts if you got any you want to share. Um, yeah, because Chris from Baseball Pods wanted to get our take, so uh, figured I'd, I'd give him something. Yeah, I'd um, love to hear something. Sorry, I so, didn't get around to it this week. First of all, it's it's not really um, it's not really my cup of tea. Like it's very like the actual rapping was great but there's just so much yelling and so much uh, like shit talking um, in between each verse that it's just, yeah, it's it not, seemed like there was just a, it was very confrontational. The little clips I saw. Yeah. So. Like it, like it, I, I was listening to it. I was trying to write my article and it was, it was kind of, you know, wasn't something that you could easily sort of multitask and have on in your headphones. Right. Like there's just, it was very, it was very confrontational. Um, so not not exactly um the way that i like to consume hip-hop but uh i 100 percent agree with everyone who says that jada kiss sort of stole the show 
I think Jada Kiss wanted it more than anyone else who was there. Like, <laughs> like he had this circled on his calendar for a while. He's like, I'm, I'm showing up for this. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into full beast mode for this. So, totally agree with that. Um, I agree with LeBron James, who said Jada is the most underrated um, rapper out there. Um, and to confirm that, I went back and looked at our our hip hop draft. And neither of us took Jadakiss in the hip hop draft, even oh, though we're both big, we're both big Jadakiss fans. Like you and yeah, I, that's uh, kind of referenced embarrassing. Many times. But like that proves the point, right? Like that yeah. you and I both like Jadakiss, but yet we didn't take him in that draft. So I think Jadakiss one hundred percent is is underrated. Maybe not anymore. Maybe not after that that versus. Uh, but I do think there has to be like, at least for me a little bit of an asterisk here because I think Dipset has just a flat out better catalog and a lot of the, the Lox's tracks that they were going ham on were DMX tracks that they were, they featured on. Um, but like they weren't off of Lox albums. They weren't off of Lox solo albums. They were off of DMX albums. And so I just I think that that's just a, a tiny asterisk to me. Like you know you didn't you didn't see a Dipset um, doing songs that like Cameron was like a featured guest on. You know like they they had a deep enough catalog where they could just go to all their bangers and the locks like their their very best stuff is really good, but I just don't think it's as deep as what Dipset has. So. I, I agree that the locks like brought it um, and was probably more into it and more convincing. And I think they, they won over the crowd, but just a, a little asterisk there. I agree that there's kind of some recency bias here with Jade as great as he is. Um, maybe some recency bias after that versus I, I wish I could have him on the hip hop team. I drafted over. Uh, I wish I could have the Talib Kweli pick back. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I, I don't hate Talib, but <laughs> No, um, so I, I mean, at least his music, but I guess his uh, heard some weird things about him lately. But I just, yeah, I like Jada more than Clint, but I had to fill one of those Midwest spots, you know, you know how it is. Well, James, uh, my walk up song for this week is actually going to be Beanie Siegel, Feel It in the Air. The song, I since I got my new used car, uh, been I have a CD player again, so I have this old booklet of CDs, and I was flipping through, and this came on "Field in the Air" by Beanie Siegel. Gave me chills, literal chills, and uh, just love that song. Great song, and Beanie Siegel is kind of fascinating. He like didn't rap. He like wasn't a rapper. He was just like a real, real guy in, the, in Philadelphia, and then he just was suddenly like he just gave it a shot and was like showing up Jay Z on Jay Z's own song, so. Beanie Siegel, kind of a legend. And great video, too, if you've never seen the Field in the Air video. What do you got for yeah, us this man. week? I, man, I would have maybe gone with a different Beanie song. As much, I love Beanie. Um, Matt. I don't know if I could get... I don't know if I could get that hype to feel it in the air, but... Not a really um, hype song, but uh, I'm thinking, like, the, the hook, maybe. It's just kind of just beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's a beautiful song. Um, so mine is going to be Friday by Ice Cube. Okay. Um, which is obviously off of the Friday soundtrack. 
which is a great soundtrack. I had that back in the day. And just uh, kind of quintessential West Coast beat. Um, like that's that's the type of beat that I think about when I, I think about West Coast hip hop, and I I'd, I'd love to to walk to the plate to that. I like it. I think that's a good choice. Well, anything else on your mind today, man, before we wrap things up? Nah, man, I'm good. Nice. Well, appreciate it as always, James. Great talking with you, buddy. And look forward to do it again next week. Hope you'll join us on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.